Welcome to the Wrestling Headlines WWE Raw Review. And I've learned in time that when these streams start, it's just me staring at a screen for ages, just going, <laughs> Eventually it all starts. Anyway, yeah, I've got a, yeah, I think I've got a countdown on. That'll probably solve all of my problems. Anyway, hello and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, and we are here live on YouTube and also podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net. And it's the penultimate Raw before the Rumble. A very, very nothing show. However, I want to talk about like the one massive positive that's come out of this show and seemingly universal praise for it. Even those who don't watch WWE Raw have hit me up about this. Uh, Sam uh, commenting saying that he rates it up there with the Abushi. AJ Styles match, like that counter to end that match. And I feel like that says a lot when it's getting that level of praise. When, again, people who don't watch WWE, so that they're not really invested in anything that's going on, when they say that Styles Clash really was that good. And it came in a, uh, I guess, a similar match to last week where somebody who's not really up there in terms of WWE echelons gets a match against AJ Styles, and if they are to win that match, then they qualify for the Royal Rumble. And uh, this week, last week it was Drew Gulak, put in, got in a decent showing before AJ then finally beats him. Uh, of course, last week it was directly almost being very big <laughs> and just existing. It won the match. This week, it was a hot-fought contest. You got Ricochet versus AJ Styles showing off their uh, chemistry together after 2019. Uh, but yes... It was a match with quite possibly the greatest Styles Clash of all time. And the reason I say quite possibly is because it's between two. <laughs> and this has entered the race. It's the uh, the Phoenix, Phoenix back in New Japan when it's AJ Styles as IWGP champion facing Kota Ibushi. For me, the thing that really sells the Phoenix Splash is what led to it. As in the storyline reason for me just escalates it. In terms of like just the sell of it, it's awesome. I've, because uh, uh, Ricochet, in his feud with AJ Styles, did the Phoenix Splash caught into a Styles Clash finish, which was awesome. It's just the match was pretty middle of the line. Maybe build, maybe like nice, nice and fast pace, possibly building to something, but before you can really get anywhere, you get your interference stuff, and then that leads into the awesome spot. And I kind of felt like the tonight's match was very similar, but it flies so much better for me, so much more comfortably on a TV show than it would on a pay-per-view. So, for example, AJ Styles versus Ricochet on TV, I don't actually have the same expectations as I do AJ Styles Ricochet on pay-per-view. As in, you're hyping me up for one, you're just giving me it out of nowhere for the other. And, yeah, I really, really liked AJ Styles Ricochet on telly. But so, in terms of what is the best, because this was amazing. Uh, so we'll just describe the first one, where it was... You know, a hot fork contest with lots of quick counters, counters, the counters, just like the Age of Styles Ricochet match. Difference was it was it did go past another level because it's essentially it's not really fair because I'll be pairing a TV match to a pay per view match, um, so it's not quite fair. Although I might have enjoyed this Ricochet Age of Styles match more than I did the last one at SummerSlam, just because I had higher expectations for that. So when it didn't meet it, I felt a bit disappointed. But this TV match, no, it beat my expectations, so I was really happy with it. 
especially after last week where it, the focus just shifts to the big tall man and but this one did a much better job of shifting the focus a bit but then he went straight back to AJ afterwards but the Ibushi match uh, the ending came after uh, Kojo Ibushi's former partner who had recently just joined the Bullet Club jumped onto the ropes in Kenny Omega and it was just like the first time they'd met each other since and just the <laughs> the emotions on display where it's Bullet Club, he's meant to get up there, he's meant to cause a distraction or even push Ibushi or anything, but he jumped, Kenny Omega jumps onto the apron and he and Ibushi just looked at each other. They just stared and Kenny Omega couldn't do anything, as in he couldn't bring himself to do anything to Ibushi. And then Ibushi concentrates back onto the match, goes to hit the Phoenix Splash, and that's what <laughs> caused it. It was that distraction. It was the emotional distraction from Kenny Omega, which then gave... Kota Ibushi the in sorry Kota Ibushi gave AJ Styles the in to catch the Phoenix Flash so you're just so focused on Ibushi and Kenny Omega locking eyes for the first time since Kenny Omega like debuted as part of the Bullet Club and and this just that awesome relationship between the two and so when AJ Styles catches him you're wrapped up in that emotion of the previous thing and then suddenly snap back into reality with an absolutely amazing counter personally that is why the Ibushi AJ Styles catch with the Phoenix Splash is right up there, and the Ricochet AJ Styles one isn't. Like, there's just nowhere near that same level of emotional connection. It, it, it's still awesome, and I, th- I think what helps as well is that that level of emotion going into it just sells it better, even though it's ex- they both executed it really well. That's just a. <laughs> For me, that adds so much. However, this one, the flow of the match really helped it. So suddenly. There's no again that emotional element isn't there for the raw one. However, I don't think <laughs> it doesn't matter because I enjoyed the match to a point where it elevated to this finish being hit. Uh, again, not a pay per view level, but if if this was like a little Teddy showcase match and it was elevating to hitting this Styles Clash, then it did a really good job of just building to this <laughs> with the counters coming quicker and quicker, both men catching each other out. And it was it was an awesome, quick-paced telly match. Like, showing their familiarity after their 2019 feud saw them wrestle, let's be kind and say, a fair bit. <laughs> Lots of quick counters and reversals and reversals. Uh, almost at ringside is the difference maker. Like, he's the new deciding factor between the two. He wasn't there in their original feud because it was the OC. The thing I like about Raw's, like, big and little dynamic with Styles and Omos was here is that Styles more often than not is still winning out or fighting back in the ring. Like he's fending off the athletic men athletic man, and getting ready to fly with the forearm without Omos's direct interference. He is not getting on top because Omos is constantly there causing interference. Like like the Diamond I guess with Viker and Elias in a way, even though they've immediately gone to tensions of that one. But it's that Yeah, it's that fact that AJ Styles is an amazing wrestler. He doesn't necessarily need Omos. And when Omos gets into interfering in the matches, he doesn't he doesn't really attack anybody. The, he, I feel like this match is where he got the most violent he's ever really gotten against anyone, where Ricochet jumped into his arms, going for a dive to the outside, and Omos just dropped him. Like, not really a move, he just dumped the lad, spoof, <laughs> splat on the floor. Uh, but that I, I really like that dynamic. It's the first, I guess, bodyguard in wrestling in a while that feels like a bodyguard as <laughs> in so he's literally taking care of people without violence because that's AJ's job 
was like, yeah, oh, I just, I love, I really, I'm really enjoying that dynamic. It re- for me, it really helps. It could be because Omos is green and they're kind of hiding that fact, but they've done it in a very good way, <laughs> which fits both the characters at this point. So yeah, I don't care. I don't care. If there's an insider reason for it. Like on my telly, I'm seeing it all make sense. But uh, Ricochet then got his bloody needs up to counter uh, the flight of the forearm with uh, with the recoil. Uh, surprisingly, the kind of match that has both lads feeling awesome, where AJ winning it outside the ring, fighting back, and then gets countered with a recoil. It's uh, so, yeah, both both us f- feel really really good because of that. But it was Ricochet's attempted springboard that led into the flat-out amazing match-ending counter into the Stars Clash. So, Ricochet going to springboard, got caught on the top rope by AJ, before he got powered up with a suplex and bounced stomach first back onto that top rope, where he rebounded and flips to AJ right into the Styles Clash. (laughs) Just amazing. The height Ricochet got, because he's stomach first on the ropes. AJ dumps him on there. Bang! Whoa. <laughs> so like, whoa, right into the stars clash. Oh, it was re- perfectly executed, and because the match had built to that, and Ricochet and AJ Styles had both countered each other's off big offense so often already, increasing, increasing again with uh, Ricochet countering the forearm with the recoil. There was it was building up, and this was like the next thing off that. The fact that the Match then ended with yet another counter of a counter. It was like, yeah, just peak, just yes, uh, amazing. And for me, like this is kind of this kind of sums up like the style of Ricochet matches that has been so far in WWE for me. Like fast paced and building with counters before an amazing final spot into the Styles Clash. Uh, this was the best of the lot by far for me. I think not having the OC there really helped because that really hindered their SummerSlam match for me where. It never, like, if I don't really do star ratings, but the way I describe it is it was building, it was solidly three stars, but it's on pay-per-view, so you're waiting for it to kick to that next gear. Then instead of kicking to the next gear, you get interference, and it's like, oh, this feels very WWE. Then that interference then leads to Ricochet overcoming them. He then goes to hit the super move, but because of the interference, he's been distracted long enough for AJ Styles to there. Like, it's a similar idea to the Bullet Club one, but without any emotional attachment. It's just baddies jumping up and distracting him. It's not quite the same. Because, again, in the Coach Obushi AJ Styles one, he does fight off the other ones. But it, it there's only one that could distract him well enough. And I, I, just, oh, I just love that dynamic. Because, again, the people interfering was building to something else separately in the Kenny Omega distraction. Here it's just two lads interfering, fights them off, and then that's enough of AJ. Uh, that, oh, that's, my, that's why, <laughs> even though it's really, really good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so for me, that's the... This is up there as one of the best style clashes, and they are both very different, but they are—they both fit the flow of their match incredibly well. I think I was—I wasn't as amazed as I was when I first saw the Ricochet Kosei Obushi one. No, sorry, um, not Ricochet Kosei Obushi. They had a match, by the way, <laughs> in New Japan. If you, have, if you are curious, Ricochet and Kosei Obushi is a match that is on New Japan World. Uh, anyway, that distraction. The AJ Styles Kosei Obushi one. I was absolutely gobsmacked <laughs> when I saw it the first time. Just was not expecting it at all. It was like within, I'll call it within my first year of watching New Japan, so I'm still learning about the product and all these guys. Uh, Kotobushi is a guy they were elevating at that point. Uh, I think I might, if I might, at the end of that year, Kotobushi then faced Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom, so they were really elevating him, and this was like a proof of concept <laughs> in a way to see him in the heavyweight division. But amazing stuff. Truly amazing. I might be getting my my years mixed up, I'm thinking. <laughs> but still. And 
yeah. I think personally, yeah. If it's this between this, I feel like there's a good debate. I say debate here. People might fall on either one just because they both are so unique and so awesome. And I like that there is more than one now. Because <laughs> before this, before Ricochet did this awesome one, again, the reason it stands out is because it was different. The one at SummerSlam he'd already done in New Japan, so it didn't, for me personally, it's not going to jump out as that amazing because I'd already seen it personally done better with high emotional stakes as well compared to the SummerSlam one again. But this was new. This was awesome. I've been going on about it. I want to go over this quickly because <laughs> I just wanted to hit that, that this counter is up there as possibly the greatest styles clash that's really ever been hit. <laughs> uh, however, it will fall to opinion which one people prefer. And I guess you'd have to watch both matches to rate the styles clash. Uh, if you go for pure technique, that's slightly different. Because then you can put in the Ricochet AJ Styles one from SummerSlam as well. Because it's the same spot. It's the same Phoenix Splash into the Styles Clash, which is amazing. But there's the whole weight of the match in the Kota Bruji one. That's why I rate it so much higher. So yeah, highly recommend the match. AJ Styles versus Kota Ibushi. Yeah, like right now, let's see. You can look at that and go, oh my god, like really? The IWGP Champion and AJ Styles fought each other? Yeah, they did. It was flipping amazing. <laughs> yeah, really rate it. Yeah. I mean, you won't, yeah, I've explained the story behind it if you like really care. Anyway, but so I thought that I thought I'd start off with that because that was a highlight of Monday Night Raw. I really I, th- I enjoyed the match. Uh, I wasn't expecting anything massive. Um, again, if they if it if it didn't have that ending and it was a weird, like AJ Styles takes advantage over it, like if it was Retribution coming out or something. If they like because it just appears they've dropped that storyline. They just moved to the next thing. But will Retribution finish the storyline? Uh, to be fair, they, they had nothing with weight really before the Ricochet stuff, and now they're going for something with actual weight. That makes yeah. I think I feel I might have contradicted myself a bit. Uh, anyway, rolling it back, <laughs> I yeah. So if that AJ Styles Ricochet match didn't have that amazing ending, I don't. I think I would have given this Raw a really flat one. However, I think I'd now word it as a truly. Crap raw. <laughs> Genuinely, this was a struggle this week. I have a fatigue point properly when it go when it really hit me. Um, I haven't had one for a while, and it's uh, it's not great to have it back. <laughs> but but like that tells me the streak they've been on. There has been a streak where they haven't had any fatigue points, and now it's back again, which is a bit of a shame. But the overall show, I feel like it should have hit 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 earlier. But I was warned. Like, if I wasn't aware, going into Raw, because I'm British, sometimes I have to check messages, sometimes I get DMs on Twitter I have to respond to, and I accidentally see the homepage, and I accidentally get spoiled. It happens. It's, it's, it's a curse of not being live to watch it in America. But, with... So I was kind of... Yeah, I realise I'm <laughs> dipping all over. Yeah, I didn't go into this blind, is what I'm trying to say. I was made aware... That this was loads and loads of people, like critic after critic, or person I follow as well. They weren't, they weren't I don't just follow critics on Twitter. I, get, I like to get a wider array of opinion. Uh, but it seemed pretty universal that this was not a good raw. But I saw the AJ Styles thing sang about, but purposely just scrolled past those tweets after I saw the word and I saw the video with it or a GIF or whatever. I was like, no, I'm just going to go past this. <laughs> but with, uh, yeah, I'd, got the, I'd seen the consensus. So, like, right, I'm braced. I'd only, I'd, but at that point when I got the message to check, I was about 15 minutes into the show. So I thought, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's fine so far. I've not got anything massively negative. It's setting up stuff. It's fine. 
but I'd seen what I was talking about. I was like, well, I'll see when my fatigue point hits. But so because I didn't go into it blind, I feel like my fatigue point hit later in the show compared to if I'd gone in blind and then was like, oh my God, like, what is this? <laughs> but Age of Stars Ricochet really lifted the show for me. He sent me to the next segment with a good spirit. The next segment was comedy for me that completely missed. It had a, it had a pop of a returning name, but it was also crap. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, if you give me something crap and then joke, like, oh, wasn't that crap? It's like, that's not going to win me over. You gave me crap on purpose. Going, oh, wasn't that crap? Isn't going to win me. Just, d- don't do the crap thing. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah. yeah I'm gonna go, but it was, for me, a pretty crap roar with quite possibly the greatest styles clash I've ever seen slapped in the middle of it. <laughs> just like a truly bad roar. And it's a, sh- it's a shame it was as bad as it was because, again... It's the one with, to give it a friend's title, it's the one with quite possibly the greatest Styles Clash AJ Styles has ever hit. <laughs> quite possibly. Again, the first 15 minutes of this show has been me humming home the point. There's a debate, because it's up there with the other contender now. So yeah. Anyway, I would call this a very, very nothing show with an ending people are talking about. I guess actually I'll start with the ending, because so many people are talking about it. But... There was the so earlier in the show, we had Alexa's playground, which, by the way, the lead-in for the ad break made me laugh so much. <laughs> where it's just like an amazing interview bit where Asuka's uh, is, is Asuka backstairs. I think was Sarah Schreiber was doing all the interviews uh, ahead of Bliss's playground. Uh, she is asked uh, what she's expecting and just goes, "I don't know." Before we went into a recap, and the edit was hilarious. <laughs> I feel like the editing team watched that and put that in there on purpose because it's when you come back, it's just like there's there's no return to the promo. It's evidently just they've just slapped the video package in there via the edit, and then she just continues her sentence like we're there the entire time. So like, I don't know, and it goes into recap. It just finished her sentence, uh, but like, but I'm gonna go out there and be brave, da, 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 and out she went. But the edit on, I don't know, <laughs> goes into, uh, what are you expecting him when he got a thing with Alexa Bliss and the Alexa Pagan? What's he going to be like? Are they, well, you've got any plans? What are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> Recap. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, yeah. But uh, the playground itself, first, uh, she uh, Alexa addresses Randy Orton, uh, jokes she was just going for a quick, a quick wah-wah before things got a little heated. And uh, yes. Hello, WWE style of comedy with the... It got a little heated. And the amount of puns that she gave with the... This it, we know this joke is bad delivery. Uh, but we got that a lot on this show. Which is like, hmm, you couldn't come up with anything good. <laughs> but I guess that's part of the Bliss character. It's just that we then got the exact same style of comedy in the Miz and Morrison thing. It's like, ah, this is the WWE style of comedy. Where you're giving me like a bit of a wink-wink to the audience, like... The reason this is getting at you is because the joke is bad. But when you have everybody doing it, <laughs> it just becomes, this is the WWE stuff. Like, Shinsuke Nakamura did it. I can't say his name. Shinsuke Nakamura did it on SmackDown. Like, immediately turns face, immediately gets a crap WWE joke. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's, that sucks. Uh, I mean, it's still, you get to see Shinsuke wrestles the face, so I'm not complaining too much. SmackDown's nailing it. It's not. Bl- <laughs> I'm really enjoying SmackDown. I can't wait. At the, if I'm hoping SmackDown keeps its momentum, because really, Raw is the only WWE product I, I would label genuinely just. It's generally bad for me. It's the, the naming the main event with Drew McIntyre again. As long as he beats Goldberg, the naming the main event with Drew McIntyre 
However, the mid card has become like so incredibly repetitive. It just feels like a hole of just Blair really in the middle of it. Even though you get you get good wrestling, it's just like you don't really care about the characters, and it feels very like is your time is it weave? It doesn't feel like your your time investment is worth it when you're watching Raw, SmackDown. Like every segment feels important to what it's building. They're absolutely nailing it. Uh, yeah, Raw feels like filler with the odd segment, which means something. It's not gonna not gonna win me over with that. But yeah, <laughs> so. Uh, I've gone on a massive tangent. Like honestly, I thought the the Alexa playground segment was utter crap. <laughs> like really used to get over that. Asuka is a bit scared of Fiend Bliss. Um, oh, and that the swing next to Alexa is occupied by him. Uh, Asuka just aw- kind of awkward the entire time. Like thinking she can get on Bliss's good side and everything, and be like all oh, cool and okay. Uh, so she has a she thinks she can do that with fun and dance. I think <laughs> she started dancing. <laughs> just it's like, oh, this is awkward. Let's let's cheer, let's cheer everybody up with a, with a dance, and then Asuka's music plays as she has a dance to her own entrance music. It's just really weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alexa Bliss then saying no, no dance, just shouting at her. But less childishly than I just delivered it then. Uh, but yeah, it was so awkward and weird. Like I get that it's uh, Bliss struggling without Bray. Like leaning heavier, she's leaning heavier on the feed's guidance, and but that that doesn't mean the execution of the segment was any good. Like I see what beats they're trying to hit, and I wouldn't label the beats bad. I don't mind the idea of uh, Bliss, like she's not quite the same with Bray, and she is leaning heavier on the fiend, which isn't good for. Her, but she's doing that in his absence. But it's just that um, that doesn't mean that he delivered the beat, executed the beats that well. I feel like that's going to be a repeating thing with the the Bliss stuff, especially on this show, where I can, I can see what they're going for, and I wouldn't even call that bad. I wouldn't even call the idea bad. Even on paper, I wouldn't say it was truly bad, even if the dialogue for it is. Like, the general idea is fine. However, the execution's off. <laughs> it's just, I don't feel like it's produced, it's not. It's done that well. I'll get to it when I get to the main event, which I'm going to jump to after this bit. Uh, but yeah, but you can't really both be subtle and make sure the kids in the back row hear you, uh, which is I feel like just getting across that this swing was was somebody occupying it. It's like make sure the people in rows there know what's going on here. <laughs> this is a bit. Uh, but then that led to the main event later in the show, an interesting choice for me to main event after an oddly paced roar. Was it emblematic of the show? Where yeah, it just I feel like it was a bit of an odd choice to close to show off. However, this is this makes Alexa Bliss the first female to close out and main event Monday Night Raw three episodes in a row, which is an achievement. You can you can bet Becky Lynch probably would have broken it by now if she uh, wasn't uh, off off being pregnant. It got to be a better way to word it like that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, if she wasn't raising a child. There you go. But a Bliss. Uh, yeah, it's the Fiend's character kind of main eventing, and Bliss has been involved with that, with the feud with Randy Orton as well. Uh, but yeah, I found this segment interesting. Like, without Randy Orton, without Bray Wyatt, the Fiend still main evented uh, via Alexa Bliss. Again, don't mind it in concept, don't mind it in writing, it's just in execution. Uh, I'll explain myself a little bit later. Asuka in the match going for the tactic of just ki- kicking the creepy lass. Like, you can't be creepy if I kick you in your face. Like Asuka looking the champion, but also, for me, a bit too easily scared by anything Fiend-like. Like, after the break, we immediately came back. Sorry, I, I realised I completely missed out a bit. The During the match, Alexa was doing the odd creepy thing. 
But then the lights switched to like a purpley pink and uh, Alexa smiled as we then went to break and we returned and after the break we immediately came back to a very different looking Alexa. Her hair all tied up where it was uh, down in the pigtails before and now with black lipstick and a very calm demeanour. Also a completely different outfit, but, like way more gothic than the, I guess, brighter colours of the uh, like playground bliss. I don't know what to call her. Uh, that's of course I can't use that phrase. <laughs> the uh, uh, the other bliss. I've got to think of a phrase. <laughs> when I, when I, that's my that's my homework. Think of a phrase I can actually use <laughs> to describe the two different blisses. Or just Alexa and Fiend Alexa. There you go. Anyway, the commentators going into ultra serious mode as they try and decipher what Bliss is doing. Like that for me, just somewhat just took me out. But like, but the point was somewhat got over uh, the fiend version of alexa being showcased kind of for the first time like no longer going for bliss's moveset like we saw the mandible claw attempt and the sister abigail nailed the final point like, i mean like none of this felt like asuka had a reason to be as terrified as she was like bliss did things then asuka reacted and then the commentary reacted to asuka's reaction like we were being told it was scary rather than shown it and that's my massive con on this, the entire delivery of this. Uh, what, this is what I meant by earlier when I said, but I'll go into why it felt a bit off for me. Again, on paper, not a bad idea to showcase the, uh, the theme stuff. And then Alexa does the creepy thing. Asuka reacts to the creepy thing. Come to a little bit creeped out as well. That's kind of how they've done the theme with Bray. So just repeat that kind of feeling. However, in execution, I never believed Asuka should have been as scared of any of the things that Alexa was doing. Therefore, her reaction doesn't feel wanted, and therefore the super serious tone from the commentators also doesn't feel warranted. Which, again, bit of a shame. Like, I mean, at least Fiend Bliss shook off offence. <laughs> I will say that. Asuka giving her like a mighty kick, and it, she shook it off. She shook off that offence into the city Abigail like it was nothing. Uh, and one thing I did like in terms of execution was flickering back to giggling, playful Alexa after the match. I liked that. I thought that was a good touch at the end of it. Because I feel again, I feel like long term, the they did hit the beats. They told the story they were meant to tell, and you it didn't fail to tell the story. They did that, which means long term you can use all of this stuff. It all, all still works. You can build on it, improve it. Which again, with a live show like this, that's the kind of thing you expect. Uh, but I would say the delivery's off. Again, I don't dislike the beats they hit. Like the fiend isn't dead because he lives through Alexa. Like, through her, he has his way back in. It's like, yeah, yeah, I really like that story on paper, but I honestly, I felt like the delivery of both segments tonight weren't executed well. They're both just feeling a tad off, and the, having commentary go to full serious, talking quietly mode really didn't help. Again, it didn't feel earned. What I was seeing didn't seemingly didn't warrant either of those reactions from both Asuka and the commentary in tow. Uh, yeah, I will say... We found out with the Wrestling Headlines End of Year Awards, which I did with Sir Sam, that those who are into the Fiend stuff are really into it. So it's hitting for them. It's hitting for somebody. I, I, I know, because again, I presented the awards with Sir Sam. That show's here on the YouTube channel and I think in the podcast stuff as well. But yeah, so I know, even if it's not hitting for me, it is hitting for some people. And just look at the YouTube channel for WWE and the amount of views the Fiend segments get, Bliss or No Bliss. For anyone crying, oh, but female, like no, it, like with just the fiend, the numbers are awesome as well. Like it's continued. Uh, that's 
for me that's saying something like this style of storytelling it really is hitting for some people it's not for me <laughs> it's um it stayed in that point of i get what they're going for and i like i don't mind the beats they're doing but i feel like the execution's off uh i can see the idea that, i can see the idea they get the beats across but with the with the execution off there yeah. both with, with the execution off both i guess part of it is like both segments felt so incredibly staged that I'm never going to buy any of it. Like, I'll never get invested in a bad stage play with a million dollar production. And that is my review of the Alexa Bliss stuff. Yeah, I, I don't mind the story they're heading into. I just don't think it's been told very well. But yeah. Which makes it really bloody difficult to argue on Twitter. <laughs> That's why I haven't. I've just left it. I'm like, I've got no idea how to word all of this like in a tweet. But uh, maybe those final two quotes do it enough. It's just like, no... I can't say, oh, beat, thing going for equals bad, because technically that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's the method of delivery of said beats, and here is my examples. And already, I'm over the word limit by then, (laughs) which really doesn't help. Mm. Ah, sip of tea. Actually, I got a gulper there with that one. I need a... mm. Mm. Enjoy imp drinking tea. Yeah, anyway... Uh, I'm going to go through the show in order now. I've, I've hit on a few segments already, so hopefully get through it relatively quickly. Other reason to get through it relatively quickly? This raw, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be happy to have gone through all my notes and I'm done with it. So hopefully I'm done relatively quickly just to blast through this genuinely not, just not great raw. Uh, kicking off with a quick Randy Orton promo from the dark. Uh, he's wearing a mask because of the burns. Uh, he blames his compassion for his affliction. You're a luchador now, Randy. <laughs> he's lucky he only has one degree, bur- first degree burns, which contradicts what they said at the end of last war, but they've changed their mind now. Uh, this pain won't last forever. Again, in terms of, they said it to sell the injury, but they've had to change it in terms of the story they're now telling. They were... So they were telling one story last week, but now they're telling this story. Again, this is kind of, for me, a little case in point of look at what WWE are saying now rather than what they said in the past because, again, continuity, it's just bleh. <laughs> they put something in the script and then change their minds. It happens so often. It's just, um, again, when I watch AEW and I see a planned out story and I appraise AEW for that, and I say when and I say when I'm reviewing Raw and I praise some continuity things, it's like yeah, I'm measuring them at a lower bar. It but like stuff like this, like just continuity, it's storytelling basics. <laughs> like I'm not complimenting WWE when I go, well done, you did continuity. That's just a basic which you should expect, <laughs> and um, that's why I'm not overly. Uh, I'm saying it's really good to see it in AW, but I'm not overly applauding it. Oh, um, well, you'll see it in Sir Sam's uh, work that he's currently writing for his columns in terms of, like, generally just going through the stories and explaining why he rates them so highly. And for me, that's the thing to kind of praise. Because, again, continuity, storytelling basic. <laughs> it really shouldn't be that difficult to do. Uh, they even hired a continuity... Well, at least they were advertising for a continuity person. But when you change your minds on the story, there's nothing that continuity guy can do. Like, there's nothing. Like, it doesn't matter. Like you said one thing, but that one thing now can't work because it's way too, way too extreme. Anyway, he doesn't. Bl- anyway, Orton doesn't blame Alexa. She was simply the vehicle. Uh, the fiend is to blame. He calls the fiend out for trying to take him out from winning the Royal Rumble match. But 
Nothing will stop him from winning, and everyone can thank the fiend when he burns their rumble dreams to ashes. So yeah, certainly a unique opening promo, and I like the commitment Orson kind of had to it with the mask and just the again <laughs> the uh, he blames his compassion for his affliction. <laughs> it's just yeah, like Liam Neeson in Dark Man. I don't feel the pain, but you will. <laughs> see it, yeah. Oh yeah, Dark Man. That's a film from 1990. <laughs> that's 31 years ago. Ah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Ric Flair and uh, Lacey Evans then arrive backstage early. Uh, then arrive backstage earlier. Doesn't work. We showed a video where they arrive backstage earlier, arm in arm, as their relationship goes. Uh, she's just learning from one of the greatest to grace the ring. Nothing weird about it. Nothing weird. Well, she did say they don't call him the dirtiest player of the game for nothing. So yeah, wouldn't be surprised if it's revealed later. If they at one point make it. Like feel like very obvious that she is doing the dirty with Flair as part of the thing to get a reaction. However, be it out of Flair or the fake reaction out of the audience. Uh, however, one also wouldn't be surprised if down the line that's completely reverted. It sounds like the kind of thing that if you go, no, I wasn't. I was just trying to get at you. I didn't actually do any of those things. That's what I'm fully expecting. Fully expecting in this future, it'll pretty much be outright said and then it'll be completely reverted a few months down the line. When they want to give a bit more of a serious push, and he goes, oh, I can't have this attachment. <laughs> that is what I'm expecting. Also, apparently, USA asked for a few more adult storylines just because what they were doing weren't working, and immediately, yeah, <laughs> get Ric Flair with Lacey Evans. Ah, nobody's living out any fantasies with that storyline. None at all. None at all. I can't see any anything awkward about. Ah, it was like. Lo- <laughs> the comparison I was about to make was like, oh, wait, no, it's not that bad. It's the first time I read a certain scene when I was reading Game of Thrones, uh, the books for Game of Thrones, The Song of Ice and Fire, and I came across the dirty scene in there. It's the first time I was reading the book and I couldn't get out the image of George R. R. Martin writing it. <laughs> it was just like, I cannot get the, I can't imagine the world for this pretty graphic scene you're describing. I couldn't get it. I couldn't not picture just the old man writing it. <laughs> it's like this feels, oh, it feels icky. <laughs> just, uh, uh, yeah, that's the that's the feeling I get from Lacey Evans, Ric Flair. I don't get the oh, icky because <laughs> of uh, Ric Flair and Lacey. It's like, oh, I can't not picture Vince writing it. <laughs> it's like, oh. Uh, anyway, so the show opened up with Charlotte Flair as Peyton Royce officially in the rings. Uh, I was scared we're about to get an exact rematch from last week. So glad to see that WWE like. That certain WWE ill didn't play out in front of me. We got Peyton Royce, the tag team partner of Lacey Evans. I forgive you, forgot that. Uh, Peyton attacking our tag team champion. Also, forgive you, forgot <laughs> forgot that. Uh, during the entrance and immediately setting a more brawly tone for what was to come. In what was honestly a much longer match than I was expecting, it all screamed, Vic Distraction and Roll Up. So, I guess it's nice the bout didn't play out too by the numbers. Uh, numbers, it is Rumble season. It's all about the numbers. Uh, Charlotte fighting back until she was on top to rerun last week's angle of Ric Flair coming on out. Uh, this time with Evans in tow, decked in the fancy Flair robes to get into Charlotte's head. Uh, the distraction didn't really work though. <laughs> Flair and Evans just pissed off backstage as Royce then tried to take advantage as Charlotte fought back once again until the figure eight was locked in for the win. Uh, I thought like, I thought Peyton did look good in the match. It was just my critique really was just that. Uh, the Lacey Evans walking out I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in Charlotte's head. She's gonna win anyway, <laughs> but I'll, I'll get in her head. <laughs> Just, yeah. Uh, after the bell, though, Charlotte was not letting go, sending a message via poor Peyton. 
Uh, Lacey Evans throwing her tag team partner under the bus. So, yeah. Yeah, but again, what was the idea from Lacey? Where they they went out, they did that, come back from break, they're not there anymore, Charlotte wins. <laughs> I'm going to get in her head. Oh, then she's going to win, <laughs> but I'll be there. Uh, yeah, interesting tactic. Now, after that, we went to the Hurt Business, walking backstage. Uh, they bump into Matt Riddle. Uh, Shelton taking the piss out of Riddle, saying he'd take the high road with them. Yeah, sure you would. Uh, Riddle trying to play chill, but Lashes clearly see through the charade. It's like, hey, I like flip-flops. I just heard they're bad for your feet. Stomp. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes. I love the Hurt Business more, like, more and more every week. It's a shame they're doing the WWE thing of, oh, we got this stable over. Let's, let's tease tensions. It's like, ugh. I mean, I hope you use this to, like, these tensions, this little falling out kind of stuff can help build a stronger bond down the line, <laughs> please. Uh, Mustafa Ali uh, gave a promo. I had uh, a bit of a spoiler for me. I'd already watched it, I think, the night before on Twitter. So yeah, I was like, yeah, it was a great delivery, as Mustafa Ali always does with these promos, just that it's not his fault. The gimmick he's kind of chaps under is just uh, dead. <laughs> a promo, a great promo on going after Xavier Woods because he wants Kofi to feel exactly what he felt. Uh, sat at home, come WrestleMania, watching someone else take what was meant to be yours uh, and going for that as soon as he heard Kofi had a broken jaw. I was like, yes, really enjoy that. And honestly, if Retribution morphs into Mustafa Ali kind of writing what he deems the wrongs against him, that's better than whatever non-direction they had before. It's like, ooh, chaos, ooh, Raw bad things. We're gonna get at them. Who's them? Oh, the the people. <laughs> it's just like yeah. At least here, uh, there is clear direction and reason for Mustafa Ali to do the thing. It's the cause and effect thing. Um, this is by far the best story Retribution have had because it's got actual substance and history to it. You can see why they would do the things they're doing and their actions make sense. They yeah. There's reason behind the madness. There was. None of that <laughs> for any of the other stories, really. This is the first time that there's... You would understand... You know, you can understand why Mustafa Ali would go for uh, to get at Kofi like this. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm applauding a retribution story. But really, it's Mustafa Ali, Kofi Kingston story. But it's more in with this. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> you get to... You can use retribution to build up Mustafa Ali without him ever wrestling. Obviously, you hold him for the pay-per-view. Yep, again, the Roy Rumble's coming up, and my only massive worry with this is my prediction the entire time is that the Roy Rumble, you will get some Retribution members in there, but they're thrown out like absolute chum. <laughs> just like, just jobbers just entering to get eliminated, even quickly in some cases. Like Mustafa Ali may even get one elimination. My say was going to be Ricochet, but after, is Ricochet even in the Rumble? <laughs> after, is he that far down the card? Maybe Mustafa Ali's in there for a little minute and then all the people in the ring turn on him and throw him out, like that kind of spot. Uh, whatever they do, it's, it's... It's a shame that that's my prediction. So as I'm applauding Retribution the storyline and what they're doing, it's always great to see the history come into it. I'm also very aware that my prediction was that Roy Rumble would kill the momentum dead. So hopefully that's avoided. <laughs> because right before going into the Roy Rumble, I'm actually giving praise. It's like, oh, but it's, this kind of thing would have to stay for a while and continue to build because Retribution, they need a lot of time to heal because, yeah, boy, were they broken uh, over the initial debut storyline afterwards and the one after that. <laughs> so, yeah, baby steps. Anyway, we got Javier Woods versus Mace. 
Woods once again against the numbers of Retribution, just like last week, this time versus Mace, however. Uh, on a rolling into the grips of Mace before fighting free and directly diving at Ali. Uh, after that, the group went into no-nonsense mode at Ali's direction, each member picking a side of the ring and alerting Xavier. But it was just the distraction Mace needed to once again have one of their big lads nail their finisher on the New Day man. Uh, don't know the names, don't know if they've been changed. Uh, if, you've got, if you've got crap wrestler names in Retribution, surely their finishers have to be equally crap. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's a cool name, yeah, use that, Hacksaw, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's what I want <laughs> with my Retribution. Uh, Ali using words to send a message to Kofi. Yeah, it's going to take a while, but they've got a build they can do. They can go somewhere with this. They can actually build Kofi Kingston versus Mustafa Ali. You've got something here. <laughs> you can actually run with it. Uh, so yeah. After that, we got the Alexa Bliss Playground, which then led us into, and I, and I can't kind of stress that quite a bit of time has gone by by the time we get to this next segment. Uh, Mandy Rose with Dana Brooke versus Shayna Baszler with Nia Jax. Before the match, uh, Nia and Shayna got a wee backstage to camera promo. The two talking themselves up ahead of the Rumble. I'm all for this going into the Rumble. I love this kind of... Some people, it's like, oh, it's a... Little thing of people declaring themselves, oh, da, da. Like, no, no, like, I'm all for this nonsense. Like, especially with the women's division, it's a formality because they can't fill out a rumble anyway. So you're gonna get in if if you're not injured, you're in. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm all fine for these little things. Uh, Naya was on commentary for the match with sarcasm turned to eleven. <laughs> Just like everything, everything needs to be a reaction in full sarcasm. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming some people didn't enjoy that. <laughs> there. Uh, she was there to like emphasising that the former tag team champions really do not have a relationship or friendship past holding the titles for a tad. In the match itself, uh, Mandy got in her strikes and looked good when she was doing that, uh, but Shayna seemingly had her number and locked in the cow through the clutch uh, after a match I 100% watched, but immediately had very little memory of. So, oh, that's a shame. I was writing my notes, I was like, oh yeah, I can watch it, and then I could see, where well, to write down what bit stood out. Oh crap, there's nothing. <laughs> I, remember, I remember Mandy Rose doing some decent strikes, and I was like, yeah. Which is a weird one, because when Mandy Rose came over to Raw, I was like, oh, you can use this tag team to really showcase Mandy and get her offense over in a tag team kind of setting against these really serious heels in Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And that can help Mandy feel the even, like, the more serious competitor, because of who she's in the ring with. But after this match, I was like, no, like, I don't, no, she didn't really feel like she was ever going to beat Shayna, which is a shame. Is it? Yeah. Uh, Dana Brooke with retaliation in the form of a dropkick off the apron after the match, sending Nia stumbling into Baszler and subsequently the ring post. Uh, in an interview after the ad break, Nia and Shayna both shared the same sentiment with the interviewer. It was like, yeah, of course we're not really getting along. Of course we're not. So, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's an odd one. I feel like, they're, built, they're teasing them having a tiff in the Rumble. That's the spot we're getting to. That's the spot I want. <laughs> They've been teased. Their entire tag reign was building to the implosion. And I don't mind them prolonging it. Like, after they lost the towels, they're kind of in a bit of a... No, we're like, no. Like, we don't have to disband immediately. I like that. I like that it has continued a bit. It's not, it's not been too bad a book. But the Rumble's got to be the implosion, right? Surely. <laughs> Surely. So, yeah. Anyway, after that, we've got Charlotte Flair in the interview ring. Da, 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 with uh, Sarah Schreiber, Lacey can wear her dad's robe, but she'll never wear her crown. So, yeah, she's got to call, call Lacey out for the actions that are obviously very, very clear. Yeah, seeing right through what she's doing. 
Also, before the Ricochet AJ Styles match, we got a Ricochet in Gorilla with Adam Pearce. He's been given the same opportunity Drew Gulak was last week. Uh, put last year in my notes because I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, and immediately I'm like, oh man, how far has Ricochet fallen? <laughs> Just this time last year, well, not this, uh, like in a few months kind of time after the Rumble, <laughs> we had Ricochet involved in Brock Lesnar's elimination with Drew McIntyre. And then uh, in Saudi Arabia, we got the big Brock Lesnar-Ricochet match where in the build, Ricochet was made to look like a bit like an idiot, a bit like a weakling. It's like, well, no, come the match, you'll get a little bit of a showing before getting destroyed. Come the match, just gets destroyed. It looks like, look, he would look weak in the build, look weaker in the actual match. And then afterwards, there was just the thing immediately, like me and quite a few of my... I say I say colleagues because they don't not everyone who works <laughs> wrestling headlines, but uh, yeah, just the senses of I think that's it. Like <laughs> there is no bigger picture here, and after that, like we're gonna see him struggle for a bit because he's lost so much momentum. But that is not a quick remedy to get him to feel like a serious competitor again. I feel like it's been long enough now where if we were to build something, we would b- start to believe it. If you built over time now. It's been enough time, like a year for me. Like just over a year is enough to then start to hit the reset button and go with something for Ricochet. But the thing that immediately hit me was, oh yeah, I remember after Saudi, it was like, no, we'll wait and see because they can we can we go to him? We can get an awesome like shock of confidence and then he will rebuilding back up kind of little story. Where a year later, and his story is he can't qualify for the Rumble. There is seemingly no recovery storyline. He's just. Blah. <laughs> just flattened out. Just completely flattened out after it. It's like, oh, like, ugh. Like, it's, for me, if I was, again, for WWE, the kind of praise that I've given other promotions and things in the past, it's like, yeah, if you're going to score a ricochet like that, have the storyline set afterwards. Like, it's not just a blah, now what do we do with him? Well, we sort of lost all his momentum. We can't really. All right. Like, what? No. <laughs> we build the man. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway. How far he's fallen. He had a, this match with AJ Styles probably helped a bit, like, having such a strong match, but... I mean, Drew Gulak got to look strong a bit before getting knocked loopy. So, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's yeah. It's, it's got to... So, anyway, he's one of the lads that's now got to prove he can p- compete as other lads are just announcing themselves for the Rumble. It's like Ricochet's in the bracket who people who aren't proven to enter the Rumble when he was so integral in last year. It's like, oh, my word. <laughs> um, also, AJ Salzen came in, and I do like AJ ripping into Pierce for his actions over on SmackDown. It's like, hey, it's just nice to see continuity. Like, yes, it's storytelling basic. Big picture is I really don't mean this as a good thing when I applaud its presence. But, yeah, I like AJ doing that. It's nice to see it. So, yeah. Uh, after that, we, yeah, obviously that led into Ricochet AJ Styles, which I've applauded. Uh, which then led into what I've already kind of teased. Uh, it's WWE comedy. It's the dirt sheet. And it's like, ah, oh, oh well. I personally... Felt like we've been on a decent run with these. <laughs> like, these sheets had not been complete dirt for a while. On Smack, like, back on Smackers, this was like one of the most hit and miss segments for me. I either had a little chuckle, enjoyed myself, or found them knackeringly depressing. <laughs> it was, there was nothing in between. <laughs> it was one of those two. Um, the more run, I feel like Miz and Martin being tied in with the McIntyre, Orton, Sheamus, AJ, like all those stories, that, that helped. Uh, but mm, uh, this one fell flat for me. Uh, like, hey, there was some self-awareness with Miz and Morrison having a sidebar as the segment fell apart, but giving me crap and then going, hey, wasn't this crap? Is that, is that, isn't the best way to win me over? 
Um, I ain't gonna lie, I popped at seeing Gilberg. <laughs> the entrance will always get a reaction out of me, especially when you have shown Goldberg entering uh, in recent weeks and then you get to see the Gilberg one. With no build, you're not expecting it. <laughs> out comes Gilberg. It's like, yeah, I that, I did pop for that. And it's, it's just the little sparklers and the fact that he's reacting like he's being set on fire by them and needs to be put out by the, I, I love it. <laughs> I love the entire thing. I've always found it funny. Uh, yes, it's still in WWE style comedy, but I've always found it, it... Not everything in the WWE style is awful. Not everything is like, oh, it's a good joke, but you told it bad. Like, no, I, I generally find the Gilberg thing. <laughs> it's not there. Uh, maybe nostalgia's a reason. Anyway, and I will say I was unfortunately spoiled on Drew McInfart. McIn- it's like, oh, that's a... Uh, yeah, a very piratey Irishman of a Scottish accent, <laughs> I will say. Uh, as his kilt was also questionably low like put it away man <laughs> put it away uh, the message was gotten across though Miz is still money in the bank with the TLC cash in reverted so back into the threats of becoming champion we go like honestly I still hope this leads to a failed cash in they hit the right notes at TLC before reverting it for me um, that would have been fine if it hadn't reverted because the beat you need to hit is pretty much that same beat again just like he cashes in, you get convinced he might win, but then he doesn't. That that's the beat you hit with this. <laughs> so when they give it him back, it's like, what are they doing? Is he gonna win? <laughs> it's just like, uh, please don't win. Uh, yeah, even if it's a short reign, like, I don't, why? I don't see. It. It's to give. It gives Drew something to do between the Rumble and WrestleMania. Really, I wouldn't. I wouldn't run Drew versus uh, the Miz at WrestleMania. For me, that is not the way to go. Not the thing to do. Anyway, uh, yeah, after that, we got Hurt Business versus Riddle and Lucha House Party. Uh, yeah, uh, starting to get a bit tired with the show at this point, but I felt like, ah, after this, surely it's going to go to uh, like a quick little segment and then we'll go to the main event. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, uh, I was wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. Uh, but I will tell you, in terms of this match, it was a nice little progression of the chemistry between the team as Lashley make Cedric handle the fight before tagging out. I liked that. I liked what Lashley was trying to do. Like, it, it was it was like Lashley... Like, Shelton had kind of lost his cool with Cedric and was angry in his actions towards him. Lashley didn't show that until the end when he'd had enough. And But earlier on in the show, he kind of... It's like he's trying to teach him. Like, I like that. It's like, he knows that there's that animosity there. But he's like, no, we still do this properly. If, <laughs> go go handle this by yourself. You've been hyping yourself. Go and prove it. It's like I'm really like that because <laughs> Lashley's always just been the big muscle guy and MVP, like the smart veteran. But I feel like in this one, Lashley became like the general of the team, which I thought that was great. That was great to see. Uh, yes, yeah, a little little touch. Will it exist next week? I don't know, but I like seeing it in this match. So hopefully it sticks. Yeah. Like, MVP doesn't have to be the general. Like, Lashley and Shelton are both also massive veterans, so you've got a dynamic to play with there. So, yeah. I mean, like, unless this is just the whoop-de-doop-de team not getting along, <laughs> like, oh, we've seen countless times on WWE, like, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to go a different route. Like, and just use this tiff to be long-term help. Like, help the unit become stronger for 2021. You can do it, guys. Please, like... I know Vince doesn't like factions. <laughs> he doesn't like them. Like the man seemingly starts teasing, splitting them up as soon as they become an over entity. But please, they can become stronger. I believe in them. 
Shelton flat out shoving Cedric out of the ring as MVP tried to calm the younger man down as he went into the ad break. Like, tensions high. What's going to happen? Uh, the focus for most of the match really was on Hurt Business's issues as they kept trying to fight off the Lucha House Party. Like, Riddle not really featuring on, like, making his appearance late on to lead into the breakdown. Uh, but you're not going to lose with Smashley Lashley on your team. <laughs> Bobby, the functioning unit as Cedric saw the red mist, completely falling out with Benjamin. Uh, having enough of the infighting, Lashley tagged himself in to score that mighty spear. Uh, it won them the match. And they were celebrating afterwards. But Shelton and Cedric continuing to argue with each other did allow Riddle in for a shot on the US champion. And personally, I was like, yeah, actually, that's a nice finish that. Like, showing the effective presence Lashley brings up to the stable whilst also showcasing how Alexander and Benjamin's infighting could ultimately cost him his title via the distraction it's causing. It's like, oh, yeah, you're actually setting this up well. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. So, yeah. I mean, part of it for me is because I rate the Hurt Business so highly after they formed in 2021, when it was such a good run, and now we're seeing just the dynamics shift about a bit. So yeah, I really rate them as a stable, which is why it would suck to break them up this quickly, or to like generally get it, like, ugh, yeah. Often in WWE, when you see tensions rising, it's because it's going to be splitting, and I'm just like, oh, but this stable is so strong that you can easily use this to make them stronger. <laughs> to tighten that bond uh, yeah just you know gotta be careful of how you tell the next few weeks like you can't get you, WWE before has when they've teased tensions and they're not gone for, gone for the split they've teased the tensions so hard to really convince you and then it's almost treated as a swerve when they don't it's like yeah, that's not how I do this <laughs> you can show the tensions but you can show then the two coming to an understanding and being tight because of it you can do this WWE I believe in you <laughs> it's the story I want uh, yeah. Oh, after this, uh, well, I've called it crap raw. However, Elias names dropped Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> 10 out of 10 segment. <laughs> uh, talking to Viker after last week, uh, the muscle man apologises, like, I'm sorry, uh, just, we just got our signals crossed. I'm big man. Uh, and uh, Elias retaliating, signals crossed. This isn't Thomas the Tank Engine. Get your head together. Oh, <laughs> just like, uh, not the name drop I was expecting. <laughs> but... He's a massive part of my childhood. I'll, I'll mark out. <laughs> uh, yeah, Elias makes the man compensate for not helping out last week by beating Jeff Hardy tonight. This time, Jackson's somewhat learning and making like doubly sure about the not helping out thing, when in reality this was setting up Elias getting his wires crossed. I will just say, this was my fatigue point, which I feel like it's pretty late into the show, but... I felt like, after with the Hurt Business stuff, I was like, oh, this is going to be the match before we then switch gears to the main event. Yeah, and the, and the stuff going for that. But then after the Hurt Business, they set up a new match. And I was like, what? You're still setting things up? Like, what? <laughs> Why this late into the show? Are you setting up more things? When is this show going to end? It's like, yeah, so that's when I got my fatigue point. And really, I think it was purely because they were setting up a match this late into the show, when I'm just I'm getting ready for the main event, and you then set up a match that's about to happen. It's like oh, like personally, have this earlier in the show. It's like just about show order, really. You put this earlier in the show, I don't have that reaction. Uh, if you go from the hurt business straight into McIntyre, or if you even announce the match early in the show, so this isn't really setting it up. It's showing us something we already know is going to happen. So yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, Drew McIntyre with a quick video for us in his home gym with a message for Goldberg. Uh, with nothing else to focus on, he's going into the Royal Rumble with complete intensity. Uh, if Bill's not amped up with that fire in his eyes, then Drew will eat him alive next Sunday. Drew is a very, very good promo, especially as the champion with honour. It's just something about his delivery for it where you believe every word he says. So yeah, bloody nailed it. And I feel like the fan reaction to Goldberg, or at least the nerdy fan, it, uh, it's aligning perfectly. The way Drew is talking, the way he's addressing Goldberg seems to align with that perception really well. Uh, so we'll see what it's like next week when they come face to face, when Drew has recovered. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll also know uh, there was the photo go around of Ric Flair and uh, Hulk Hogan just in a bar, just hanging out this past week. It's just like, Drew's, Drew's at home having got COVID. And Ric Flair is on television. And they're out in a bar just socialising as if there's nothing going on. It's like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously, I'm saying this as an English person in lockdown because it's that serious because so many people are dying. We are in a full-on lockdown. Uh, yeah. And to see to look, <laughs> to see that coming out, it's like, what is America doing? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Jeff Hardy versus Jackson Riker with Elias. This week's winner of the feud that will never to shift gears a tad. <laughs> uh, Hardy and Elias is this week's winner of the feud that will never end award. Uh, how long has it been? Like no November, even October? Was it like immediately after they moved over to Raw with the draft? So like October, November, December. This is month number four. Jesus, <laughs> for this. Yeah, they've still not moved on. But yeah, Hardy bringing the intensity as Riker tries to prove himself to Elias' leadership. However, in spite of his muscles, Jeffrey managed to get in every one of his signature moves. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a shame. Even, that can't be. Because <laughs> it's late at night and it's cold. I should have worn my hoodie. Uh, even the deadly headlock wasn't enough. Uh, with Hardy up on top for the Swanton to hit that finisher. He's hit all of his signatures. Now it's time for the finisher. Uh, Elias pushed him back down, causing the DQ, though. Uh, this time it was Riker's turn to be pissed off shouting like I thought we said that we weren't going to help and it's over not to do that uh, Elias like oh I'm sorry I didn't get the message uh, giving Hardy the room to give the two the jump uh, but Matt Jackson was able to catch him and slam him right down like look he has muscles muscles don't need Elias <laughs> show them uh, they got on in the end which is immediately there's that tension and are they immediately building to Riker versus Elias or is this their because because again it was a random pairing where I think on main event one week and then they promoted it to Raw when they'd seen it in action, uh, but now they're actually giving like like figuring out an actual dynamic between them, they're establishing an actual dynamic rather than just bleh putting them together. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. A I mean I mean now I've gone over it. I'd personally say even though this, this Raw has had a pretty negative reception, it is nowhere near as bad as the Raw Underground era. As if for me, that was more at its absolute worst. As that was the least I was enjoying Monday Night Raw, and I, I was generally just I wanted to get it over with. Like every week, I was just really struggling to get through it. Uh, and the number of segment again for me a big point. The number of segments, be it I've always counted it as matches rather than matches or in ring segments. So like a backstage interview for me doesn't count as my number count of things that happened on the show uh, they're kind of in between transitional things uh, they can progress things but I won't add it to my massive tally of 
how many segments were there on the show. Uh, and tonight was eight. And you can then add to that the different interview things. I didn't count Randy Orton's either. Maybe I should have. Uh, but yeah, his moment at the start can add on to that as well. However, with that same ta- tactic, the Raw Underground era was hitting 12, 13 segments a show. That is way too many. <laughs> and for me, as they're, they've hit a much smoother number nowadays. Like the number of in-ring things on every show, the number's gone down. And that's the thing that I'm, two things that I'm, have immediately helped that are 24-7 title just disappearing, which I've not seen much chat on that. It's just, it's just vanished. But it really does help. It appears every now and then, but it really does help with the flow of the show, not interrupting it, <laughs> surprisingly enough. Uh, same with Raw Underground. 24-7 Championship and Raw Underground both disappearing has made Monday Night Raw incredibly watchable <laughs> in comparison to what it was. So even though I'd say this is the worst Raw I've seen in a while, it's not the worst Raw I've seen within a year. <laughs> Maybe the last few months, whenever Raw Underground left, whenever, whenever that was a thing. Because for me, that was like genuinely a real struggle to get through. Whilst I got through this Raw, I just got a bit tired towards the end, especially when they built up to the final thing. So yeah, but I would say as well, in terms of would I recommend the show for you, uh, I'm realising because I was going into the Stars Clash and a random sidebar, <laughs> going to Abushi and stuff like that, I forgot to give my kind of sentence phrase thing review for the show. I think I would say there you can skip the episode. Watch AJ Styles' Styles Clash, and if you want, check out the Bliss stuff at the end, So, because I'm assuming that'll be a bit weird to follow. If you, if you like that stuff, if you like the Alexa Bliss fiend storyline, then, yeah, check that out on YouTube. Then just don't watch the rest of the show. Rest is, rest is things bubbling under the surface whilst also not massively progressing anywhere. So you can skip the show. Like, I've, I feel like a massive part of that is... Um, Drew McIntyre getting injured, so you haven't been able to do anything with the all-biggest match, and that's kind of a big deal. But really, felt this show felt very nothing, and the segments they were probably relying on to hit didn't hit for me. Uh, we got an amazing match in the middle. I'm a massive fan of the Hurt Business, so I feel like it's always great to see. But yeah, pretty flat raw for me. Best way to explain it. Skip! <laughs> Best way to put it. Yeah. Adrian Styles, Ricochet. Don't even have to watch the match, just watch the Styles Clash. And... The I guess main event if you're into the fiend stuff that's a massive clarifier uh, on that and the massive asterisk sorry is if you enjoy the fiend stuff you check out the main event because it'll probably hit for you again uh, yeah yeah skippable skip it <laughs> no need to watch it save your time uh, again if you've only listened to me you've watched you've not watched more you've just listened to me I guess thank you for trusting me <laughs> to be that uh, that your door in rather than that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's the end of the Raw review. I will be back on Thursday with the NXT review. One day I'll be doing SmackDown, but again, I'm in I'm in construction limbo, waiting, <laughs> just waiting for things to be finished. Uh, I've also been streaming on Twitch over at the Invocations with a second S. Uh, if you want to check that out, I'm currently playing Yakuza Zero, uh, aka that involves me reading lots of dialogue with whatever random voice comes into my head, and the chat has started. Recommending accents. <laughs> Sorry, it's going swimmingly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't rate my scales, but I'm going to be getting some practice. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Impacat. Uh, please do check out all the columns at Wrestling Headlines as well. Uh, 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 top one for my man Andy on uh, the AEW. How do I sum it up in a word? <laughs> the AEW story with impact. There you go. Did it. 
a great uh, both praising and critiquing the current way it's going. Uh, I love it critiquing it as well. You wouldn't know that by the comments. Because <laughs> gay obviously give any praise to AEW. It doesn't matter if you criticise them afterwards, obviously. Oh uh, yeah. Still waiting on that check, Tony. <laughs> Still waiting on that check. We gave Full Gear a good review. We gave AEW like uh, the fans, we convinced all of the readers to vote <laughs> for AEW. And they won the best promotion of the year. Where's our dollar, Tony? Where's our dollar? <laughs> anyway, uh, that's all the things. But thank you for watching, liking, subscribing, rebelling if you're on YouTube, five starring if you're on uh, if you can do that <laughs> via the podcast thing if you really do want to donate to uh slash lp radio uh via the lp radio red circle we can donate specifically to that that'll be donating to the reviews to help us get through with this but also uh, all the other shows we've got on there which are mostly like kingdom of honor obviously it pop up onto this channel every now and then as well a uh, jamman often joins me for aw and new japan stuff uh, to, when we do those aftershocks and is there something else Oh, it was WWF Legacy Series massively going through the WWF which is also on Red Circle but if you want to donate to Edipy Radio as a whole for all that stuff you can go to Red Circle and do that there if you so wish anyway that is I think everything I think tomorrow I'm streaming on I'll be joining uh, Ash from the Wrestling Shorts YouTube channel to join him for a stream I think <laughs> wait and see so if you want more me you can go to that anyway uh, thank you for all of this stuff and everything, sticking with us forever. Uh, and with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Not drinking this tea. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs>